Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with prolific pianist, music producer, composer, arranger, and audio engineer, Israel Tannenbaum. He dug into his new 2023 CD done with the Latin Bomb Jazz Ensemble called Impressions. After producing over 50 albums for other artists in Puerto Rico, Colombia, and the United States, participating as pianist arranger in more than 100 recordings and writing music for feature films, theater, television, as well as jingles and video games, he is stepping out with something more profoundly personal on this new album. We cover his rich history, the now, and the future ahead. Enjoy. Hey, how you doing? What's going on today? Uh, there you go. You are. Yeah, well, you, you are too. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? Good to meet you, man. Hey, good to meet you, man. Reading your bio wore me out. You're, you're a busy guy. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep busy. I keep busy for sure. But, but looks like you're stepping out on your own on this project. But before we get to that, I want to know how you survived COVID. As somebody that's as busy as you are with the way that it turned the music world upside down, how did you get through it? And how relieving is this project now that the world's waking up and we're kind of entering a post-pandemic reality? Well, it's 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 interesting because yeah, everyone we all got locked down, and I and I had a little you know I had to take care of myself and the family and everything else, but uh, just by chance. About six months before the lockdown, six or seven months before the lockdown, I consolidated my entire network uh, for remote recording just by chance. Because I had recently moved to California. And and so, you know, I wanted to continue to work with the people that I work with all the time. And, uh, and I had just set that all up. So I set myself up, you know, I'm working with studios and recording with recording studios and musicians and arrangers and producers and engineers in about seven countries. And I set it all up right before the lockdown. Wow. So when everyone, when everyone, when it took everyone six months because, you know, everyone thought it was a 90 day vacation at first. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then it turned into six months. And by the time people realized, and they finally got everything set up. I actually was all set up and I was up and running. So I actually worked more in the two years of COVID than I did in the previous four years. Wow. Like, like incredible. I, I re, I reengaged with my, uh, uh, with my record label. I mean, with my, with my, with my, uh, 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 uh publishing company and i started the record label as well so you know it, it's been busy and yeah i, I fared quite well i yeah. can't complain time to shine talk about the new album it's a great album i've already played it on the show tell me how this came about and how you feel about it well the the uh the album itself um uh really was was a was a stepping out with it you know i've been producing so much music for so many people uh all my life i built my whole career on it and 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 one day i stopped and thought you know yo what about you right and and uh so this is it you know i i, I had all this stuff bottled up and 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 I, it needed an escape valve and that's what this is. That's what impressions ended up being. Uh, it was actually the, the, the album was actually the intention of the album had started years ago. 
uh, uh, several years ago, and I actually had an album put together. I actually had an album put together, uh, and things happen, and I had a catastrophic loss of of equipment and uh, files and everything else. And I lost the entire production, which was just all finished and ready to be mixed. And I lost the entire production. And so I looked at it and, and, and I looked at my arrangements and everything else. And I said, screw it. You don't want to be in the album. Don't be in the album. I tore everything up, threw it in the trash and started again from zero, which was really good because the the album had been in progress for like six years already, five or six years. And when I did this, I said, no, this is me now. Let's do it now. And within eight months, it was all set. Wow. So it's, it's, ver- it's very much what was at that moment. You know, yeah. we, as artists, we, we have to, every now and then we have to sort of take inventory of of what we've done, how we've managed to get there, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and 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 you know, do an inventory and set it down somewhere and document that inventory and move on. And and that's exactly what I did here. So what are you hoping a listener gets from this project? Two things, really. Uh one one is this is me. <laughs> please get to know me uh, uh you know i want to share what i wh- what i think and how i think about it get to know me please um uh but the other the other side of it um is there is a i guess a misconception or 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 a a a cliche a cliched way of thinking of Latin music and Latin jazz, and it it, it is that it, that it always it's always uh, descarga and it's a jam and it's and it's noisy and it's rowdy and it's you know and and I accomplish all of the improvisations and and all of the the jamming and everything else, but still. Uh, without the noise, so to speak. Um, not, not that it's noise. To me, it isn't, but, but there's, there's a misconception that that's what it is. And this is, this is very, it's carefully crafted. Um, um, there's plenty of room. I leave a lot of room for improvisation and, and expression. Uh, and it's there, but it's also very carefully crafted. Um, so. It's kind of these two things at the same time. How did this music journey begin for you? Like, tell me where you were born and raised, and what what were the seeds that were put into you to become who you are with all these different musical facets that you have now? Well, several steps. I'll be very brief if possible. Uh, um, to start, as I started out as an organist. I played the organ. Mom and dad bought me a little play organ. You know, it had those, those air pumps and you press the keys and it, it wouldn't, it would go like, you know, cause it has it, right? It, those were reeds and everything else. Uh, 
And I had one of those, and I and I started, and I, I learned like six or seven tunes by ear, and I picked them out by myself, and I figured them out. And and then I went one day to the mall and separated from my parents. You know, I'll see you guys in a half an hour. Yeah, we'll meet at such spot, you know, the meeting spot. And but I never showed up at this at the meeting spot. So mom and dad got worried, started looking for me, and they saw a crowd. And they figured there's a crowd. It probably caught Israel's attention. Let's go see. Maybe the kid is there. And it turns out that the crowd was there because of the kid, because I had walked into the to the to the to the to the piano to the piano and organ store, uh, into the music store, and and I was watching, observing the demonstrator playing on the biggest organ in the, in the place three keyboards, full pedal board. And, and I sat and I stood there and watched him as he, as he played. And it, it, it all sort of made sense. Like I, I made sense of it in, in, in just watching this guy playing for 10 or 15 minutes. It all made sense. And so he got off from the instrument and, and took the two, the people who were watching him, you know, to go do his sales thing. And I got on the instrument a couple of minutes and, kind of figured it out and got my my wits together and started playing, you know, five tunes that I really knew, just kind of fudging my way through them. And when I got done, I turned off the organ, I finished, and turned around, and then I heard applause. What happened, there had been a whole bunch of people gathering behind me. Must have been... Oh, I don't know, maybe about 80 people or so. And they all stood there quietly watching this tiny little kid, which was about nine years old, 10 years old, uh, playing this huge monster of an instrument. And everyone was like amazed by it. And they didn't applaud until I turned off the instrument and turned around. So at that point, it was like, Oh wow, like really? This is cool <laughs> that people like this and I'm enjoying it and right. So that that turned into into I started working professionally when I was twelve. Uh uh I got my you know, my first guy who came over to ask permission for my parents to let me play with them was a guy, a very famous guy who had called Papa Candito in Puerto Rico. Who, who had his own show and had his own thing going. He was a pretty popular Cuban guy. Uh, and it went from there. I, then I went up to New York when I was about, when I was around 16, I went through New York and, and a friend took me to see Machito at the Roseland Ballroom. And, um, and he introduced me. He was, he's the father. He was the father of a friend of mine. And so he was an older gentleman and Machito and him were friends. And he was the, uh, the, he was the vice president for Pierce Southern International, the Latin division in New York. And so he introduced me very kindly to, to Machito and, Hey, listen, new young talent coming from Puerto Rico, young kid, you know, the new promise, all this other stuff. And, and so and we, that was it. And, introduced and we said hello machito went on stage and when he was on stage he yelled out at me he said yo hey kid and he looked at him and says see that chair over there bring it to me so i grabbed the chair i brought it to the 
maestro, you know, here you are. And he opened up the chair, slapped it in the middle of the rhythm section and said, sit and listen and learn. That flipped in my head. Oh, shit, I want to compose. I want to arrange the, the, the sound of that big band sitting there and listening to that whole big band just just rocking the whole stage man that 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 changed everything that was it but it's interesting because you got the serum early on i mean when you were in that shop and everybody applauded that had to be instant there you go you sealed your fate to a certain degree yeah there there was instant gratification there for sure and and, but 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 it was it was very much uh, a child's play right yeah. I, I i i never thought of it as as oh this is the way i'm gonna make a living right i, I could make a living it was it was like oh wow cool i'm getting attention right uh and of course mom and dad bought me an organ that day right there so you didn't get in trouble you got you got awarded <laughs> i got rewarded for being in trouble <laughs> that's the lesson kids <laughs> so um so when when did you really what stage were you on early on where you really felt like you arrived that this was this was it like beyond when you were a kid but professionally when did you really feel comfortable like this is my life or has it always been that way since it happened so early it's 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 interesting that I never thought of that question never thought of the of, of how to respond to that question um you know uh, I started working. I started working the clubs. Of course, this is a different time, right? When things were were more um, uh, permissible, so to speak. We lived in a different time, and when I was fifteen. I was working all the clubs and the hotels in Puerto Rico on on both the Isla Verde and the Condado Strip. I used to work everything. And I used to sit at the bars and I used to, you know, hang and uh, it was a different time. Um, and there I felt like I was, like I was really involved in playing and, and I was, I was making a life from it, but I was still, you know, I was, I was a young kid. So, so I'm still thinking, uh, you know, well, that there are other things to do, right? Uh, but, but I've been literally making a living from music since I was 15 um, and thinking that this is definitely a part of my life. I, I, I went, I went into, I got into the service, joined the army, was in the army band. Uh, and I was in Hawaii. I was stationed in Hawaii. And there I started my first salsa band. And there I, I, I really started getting serious about composing and arranging and and really learning the craft. I, I got really lucky. I, was, I had a I had a guy, I had a friend who was in the army band with me, who who was the son uh, no not the son, he was the nephew of a of a very very renowned uh musical figure from Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, the, the master Lito Peña, who was one of the greatest guys in Puerto Rico. Um, uh, and it was, he was his nephew. And he was, you know, 
full-fledged musician, understood things, very classically trained and everything. And he taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to transcribe, for instance. And there I start to understand that I could learn from all of the masters, that I could learn by transcribing what they did. And as I transcribed, I understood, I better understood the the, the, the intersection of of uh, of melody, rhythm, and harmony, and 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 how how they worked together, and 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 I started to, and and I really understood the value of silence too, which was really mind blowing to me. That that you know, music is is as much sound as it is silence, and syncopation is really created not by sound but by silence it's the gap that you leave that's that's what creates the syncopation for you it's that and and so all of these things started really coming together in a very strong and deep professional uh, 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 sense and when I left the army I went back to Puerto Rico and and I joined uh, I joined uh, the band of uh, Roberto Roena, who was a, a uh, who was a a uh, well renowned and and an established salsa band leader, and it was interesting. I joined him as as musical director, and it was really interesting because he, it was his band that I saw for the first time that I saw a, a salsa band, a live salsa band when I was about eight years old, it was his band. And so for me to come back around, you know, almost 20 years later, or yeah, about 20 years later, and now be his musical director. Wow. It was like, like, oh, wow. Like, this is incredible, right? I also joined, I also joined uh, uh, another group called Batacumbele, which was, uh, a lot of people say that it is the Puerto Rican version of Iraquere. And uh, traveled and played with them for about four years. It was a wonderful group. In fact, uh, really, the Batacumbele kind of split life for me before and after Batacumbele. I mean, that that really... But going back to Roberto Roena, there I, I, I learned things from, from, from Roberto that, that I had not learned from anywhere else regarding production. I understood what production was all about. Roberto couldn't read a note. And he played percussion, he played bongos. Uh, and every we were recording an album, his album for that year. And every night he would leave the studio with a cassette of what, what had been done during the day. He'd take it home and he'd digest that all night and come back to the studio the next day and go on. By the time he recorded his instrument, he actually had an arrangement in his head of how the bongo and the and the cowbell were going to sound and exactly, almost precisely where each hit was going to go. Had a full arrangement in his head. And, and he taught me about the mystique of it, the, the, the nuance about how you have to be careful and 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 
very deliberate about how you build your music and how you present your production and how you how you manage your your, your musicians and that, that just just a, a, a lesson a school in production of a guy who was a pioneer in his own field right and and that all of that just really cemented the finished cementing the base for for my production life and my professional life that developed after that so of all of these elements that go into who you are as a professional musician and producer what do you look forward to the most what wakes you up what what gets you energized every day you know what today these days impressions i i i and and, and the reason i say that is because i now now I have a product that is mine, which I hadn't had before. And I'm telling you, I've done, I had to do exactly the same thing I do for everyone else with my album, but it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's totally different when you're doing it for yourself. Um, and, and so now I have this, right? This is, is, is different different and it 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 makes me choose now very carefully what i do and it inspires me to do more like i've committed myself now to producing an album every year this is what i'm committed to and i'm and i have i actually have three albums on in the works right now well uh i'm hoping that the Landbound Jazz Ensemble is going to be, I'm going to produce this every two years. And in between, I'm going to do other things, other projects uh, old, that I have kind of sitting there on the stovetop, just simmering. Uh, that's what wakes me up these days. This is what brings me out of, you know, gets me out of bed. So let's get to the core of who you are. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, cl clients, colleagues. But you're the one in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? If there's if there's a couple if there's something that defines um, who I am and how I how I manage myself and how I portray myself is is that of of being uh, a talent developer. I, I, an educator, a talent developer, I'm there. I, I, I recognize, I recognize people. I recognize their talents. I'm able to, uh, I'm able to get the best out of, out of the people I work with. And, and, and it's not just musicians I do this with. I do this with, with other people. I've, I've had, I've had recording studios and I've had, you know, companies and I do other things and I've, I've, I'm an entrepreneur and I've, I've been a founder and all the rest of the stuff that goes with it. But even the guy who, who, who does the maintenance for my place, I've, I've always been able to go back and, 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 and find who you are and how I can help you be better. Uh, and I do that with the musicians around me, and I've, 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 I've always been surrounded with, of from t of talent that that is promising, 
and I've always been able to recognize it and help build it. And so I, this is something that I do all the time. And you look in the album, and I, and then there's there there are several musicians in the album that are young cats that that need an opportunity, that are really good, and they need the opportunity, need someone to open the doors for them. If, if and, and if those of us who are already sort of established and set and if we don't open the doors for these guys, who's going to do it, right? And 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 I do this, and, and all my projects I always bring young people in. I try to bring new people in, and in fact, the the uh, my record label is uh, Latinbound Records, is is actually focused on that, on bringing, on finding new talent. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be young talent; it just has to be new talent, right? Uh, if anything defines me is is, is from from a, from a professional standpoint and from a, as a human being is is really that I I I think that I think that I'm I think that I'm you know a decent human being I I I, I you know I I don't I have some pretty basic and simple rules you know you know. You, if you can't, if there's, if you can't say something good about someone, don't speak at all. Uh, you know, I have some very basic rules and, and, and I, and I, I try to stay on the good side of life. Uh, and, uh, uh, that's really me as, as a person. I, I, I'm working. Um, I work all the time, whether I'm working or not. I, Music, music is beyond. Like I can't sit down and and work on something or read a book and listen to music. I can't do that because my I'm, I'm focusing, thinking about oh that 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 was a weird note. That's okay. Keep on reading, and you go oh why did he do that? That's an interesting change. How did that happen? Yeah. And I can't concentrate on reading. Yeah. Right. And I can't concentrate on doing work on my computer or writing a letter or doing anything else. My family freaks out because I turn on what I call noise. And that is I'll go to Netflix and I'll put on one of those series that has, I don't know, uh, 20 seasons. And I just hit play and let it roll. And it's like someone's there keeping me company. But I can ignore that. Yeah. And I can have noise around me and I can work on what I'm doing or I shut it off completely. That those are, those are my two choices, but I can't have music doing that because that, it puts me to work, but yeah, makes my mind, makes my mind work. I I'm, get it. Uh, you know, I'm constantly arranging in my head. Yeah. And so my phone, this is a great thing. Uh, and so I keep my mm-hmm. phone and I, I have all these ideas and I, put them down and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I keep them there and I go back to them and I go reference to them and I try to build some of these ideas. But a lot of what I do, uh, which also is part of who I am is to improvise all the time. Um, and to, and to be keenly aware of, of spontaneity and, and, and what happens by accident. Like accidents are my best friends in the studio. Sometimes accidents turned out turn out better than what was originally intended or written in, in you know on the on the score. And and you, you got to be keenly aware of that. You got to be your ears got to be open for that. And and so I exercise that all the time. 
find. In fact, one of the tunes, one of the tunes in, in impressions, is is just that. When I was a young kid, uh, when I started work, I, I started working at, at the music store after after I got the uh, after I got the organ. About a year and a half later, I started working as a demonstrator in the music store, uh, and and I and I got together. I hooked up with with uh, uh, with the piano teacher and the piano tuner, and we used to go to the tuner's apartment. He lived in like a tenth or a twelfth floor. Right on a strip on his Lavelle, and he had this beautiful Bannerman uh, uh, six foot piano, and we would sit there and take turns all night long. All night long, I would play for a while, and the piano, the teacher would get up and play for a while, and then the tuner would get up and play for a while, and we would do this all night long until the sun came out the next day. And right at that time, uh, Keith Jarrett had recently come out with the Koln, uh, 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 Germany, uh, uh, um, album where he sat and actually improvised the whole concert. And I thought that was the most wonderful thing in the world. I thought, wow. Like I like I I was never really a good study for, you know, to learn music and I, I actually learned formal music later later in life yeah. uh, but when I was a kid I really didn't study music it was all by yeah. ear it was all empirical and 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 to me it was like wow this is great man I mean yeah. this guy puts on this whole concert does you know sells an album is like super famous and all he did was sit down and improvise yeah and so I started to do that. Yeah. And one of the tunes, the, uh, the, 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 the fourth, the fourth cut on the album, which is Another Life, is just that is a day that I sat down and improvised and heard it and said, this is it. This is going wonderful. That's a great story. If anyone wants to pick up the album or learn more about you, where can they go? Well, they can go to, they can go to, uh, uh, IsraelTannenbaum.com. Um, and, uh, there's, when you land there, you'll see the, the album cover and, and right below it is the, there's the liner notes to the album. And under that is all of the information of the, of the, of the, of the main musicians on, in the album. Uh, there are many guests in the album. I brought a whole bunch of people together. And, and there are many guests, but you'll see a little little story of each one of them. But right right when you when you're there uh, at the top of the page, there's a little button that says buy now. And you can buy the CD there. Cool. Uh, you can also go to SohoMusic.com and go from there. It's on Amazon, and of course it's on all the streaming uh, on all the streaming platforms. Uh, Perfect. Available. Excellent, Israel. This has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thanks for your time. Best of luck with everything. Well, thank you very much. And if I can be of any of any good to you in any other way, uh, just just let me know. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Chess interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in New York, L.A., Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that chess. Thanks to Israel for his time, honesty, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find Neon Chess interviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
You can subscribe to us at YouTube and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.